0: You, how do you library? Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart from the American Library Association, and we want to know, how do you library? But what does that mean exactly, how do you library? It's a good question. Last fall, we here at ALA put out a call to some of our favorite authors asking them to share with us and the world how they library, meaning what the library means to them, past, present, and future, how they use and have used the library, their favorite library memories, how the library has impacted their lives, and how the library impacts the lives of everyone. We received some incredible, touching responses from writers like Brad Meltzer. Jenna Lee Yun, Mo Willems, Lily Williams, and Kelly Yang. So we decided to keep the conversation going. Each month, we'll be asking our favorite authors, filmmakers, actors, musicians, artists, thought leaders, scholars, and of course, librarians, how they library, and their thoughts on some of the issues facing both the library community and the world at large. And along the way, we'll learn about their work, what inspires them, and so much more. I can't wait. In our first episode, we're joined by Meg Medina, author of Mercy Suarez Changes Gears, Evelyn Del Rio is Moving Away, Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass, and many more. She's also currently the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. I spoke with Meg last summer at ALA's annual conference in Chicago, where she shared details about the new graphic novelization of her classic book, Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass, her thoughts on being an author of a banned book, her library memories, and more. Let's see how I make libraries. Your book, Yaki Delgado, wants to kick your ass. That's a great title, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Why did you? What led to this being uh, adapted in the graphic novel form? What? Why did you want to to explore this avenue?
1: So the novel is celebrating its tenth anniversary this year, which is shocking to me, but um, we wanted to do something really special for the 10th anniversary so there is a tenth a, a anniversary edition of the of the novel itself but I felt like um, ten years is an entire generation of, of children mm-hmm. and um, the graphic format has really just grown so enormously it's and in post pandemic when we have um, had such slides so so Um, much difficulty around reading and so on, I felt like it might be a good idea, right, to to have the novel come out in a form in another format that would invite um, a wider range of readers. And yeah.
0: Cool. And um, did you collaborate with uh, the artist Mel at all during the process of this? What was that like? And if you did, were there any challenges um, in kind of letting your baby go into another artist's realm.
1: Yeah, I think they did a great job. Mel's um, adaptation is beautiful. Um, I, am, I approached this in a very similar way to how I would approach a, a film being done of my work. It is, it's, I wrote the book that I wanted to write, and it came out 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so now this story is being um, delivered in another vehicle, driven by another artist. So I was very much um, into letting Mel design, interpret, envision the characters the way they they saw them. I'm not a a graphic artist, so that's not my strength. Mm -hmm. So I really stayed in the background. We had some conversations here and there. I always saw the spreads as they were being created. Um, Kate, our mutual editor, would say, what do you think, are you happy with these? And they were, I mean, if I had notes, they were small um, of of things that I wanted tweaked and so on. Mostly, I was just really fascinated Mm -hmm. with the process of one spread being able to cover, let's say, five pages of, of my writing and work. It's so interesting to me how, how we can capture and um, just make it a very tight mm-hmm. visual punch um, in a way that takes longer in, with, with words, mm-hmm. with just words.
0: Now, did their vision of your work did it align with what you saw in your head as you were writing the book?
1: Not always, not always, and that's okay. Yeah, um, I see the char- I saw the characters differently in my mind. Most of them looked suspiciously like my mother's friends from the seventies. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I just I was drawing on what's inside me, and Mel is drawing what's inside her. Very, it, it strikes me as a very similar relationship that all readers have with a book. So I write a book that I think is inside me, and then it goes out into the world, and then it becomes 50,000 other books, Mm -hmm. right? Because every reader is bringing to that book what they know about the world, what they know about themselves, and they're attaching it to my words to make meaning for them. And I think I suspect it is the same thing for Mel they bring to it their experience their vision the people they knew that they loved that hurt them that they fell in love with like all the things and they created the the canvas of the story and that's okay with me and I think that's healthy and that's a a cool thing and so for me to read the book is is really exciting now right mm. because I'm I'm seeing the story that began inside me and then how it lives inside Mel.
0: That's lovely. Um, let's talk about the book itself for some of our readers who might not be familiar with it. Yeah. Um, you have written and you have mentioned I saw this on your website that a lot of your work well not hundred percent autobiographical there's a lot of you in your in your work. Mm. How much of you is in this book
1: well the first chapter of the book is almost exactly what happened to me in the seventh grade a girl came up to me and said that jackie Delgado was going to kick my ass seriously and um and then i spent the next year and two um trying to figure out who jackie was and why she hated me and i went to a school in queens um at that time a junior high school for me it wasn't high school the way it is in the novel um that was really rough and and Jackie was like a lot of girls uh, who exist in lots of schools right it it really didn't have anything to do with me it had to do with Jackie needing somebody that she could deposit you know her rage on mm-hmm. right and and feel powerful on about um and so The impact of being bullied in that way, it embarrassed me, it frightened me, it turned me off to school. It made me um, want to become like Jackie, interestingly, really rough and, and fierce and scary so that nobody could hurt me. I didn't feel like I could talk to my mother or the adults in my life to help me with it. I absolutely didn't feel like anyone in my school could help me back then, the way with, we dealt with bullies were saying silly things like just ignore them or they're you know like, things like that really don't help children so you know i I lived through that experience. I paid a high price for it um, It was a painful thing it led to me doing many things that i regret and that embarrass me still when i think about them and i try to just bury that story and forget about it forever and then i had this opportunity to write it to write about a kid at a turning point a latina at a turning point and so i just started with like something that was really true and big and painful and ugly and i wrote it because i did survive it because i'm fine and i'm happy now right in life and i think that there's something to that that kids need to know Mm
0: -hmm. and yeah that's a very powerful point is taking something that was hurtful for you and turning that into something positive to help other other kids who may be experiencing something similar have you heard from any readers from 10 years ago to the present who have who 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 your this book has helped them
1: yeah yeah and all kinds of people including parents. Mm. I had one parent, and I think it was in Washington, D.C., if I'm not mistaken, but she came up to me. She, she had the book signed with her daughter, and then her daughter sort of moved on, and she said to me, you know, I read this book, and it reminded me of a girl that I knew in high school who I really gave a hard time to, and I feel like I need to find her mm. and apologize. Um, that felt really powerful. Sometimes kids come up to me, and they'll say, what do I do? This is happening to me. What do I do? And I don't have an answer, right? I, I, I can only say to them, I know this feeling. I know this story. I think that there are more supports now than there were then. Mm-hmm. But um, over a 10-year period, over a decade, that's been the beauty of the novel. Like, people's hair go on, goes on fire, like with the title sometimes. Mm-hmm. And parents get worked up. But what's in the pages... Um, as raw and scary as it can be I think is ultimately helpful to kids who who need to read that story. Sometimes I think or what I really hope deeply is that it's helpful to the person who's being Yaqui Delgado Mm -hmm. that they might take a minute and consider you know what what they're doing to other people.
0: you're looking at the scope of your career, the, all the books that you've, you've written. You have picture books, young reader books, young adult books. What draws you to write for, for, for young readers, for kids?
1: Yeah, everything's new. Everything's new. Everything, uh, they're at the beginning of everything. They're trying to figure out who they are as human beings. They're trying to grow themselves. And um, that feels exciting to me. And I know it's also it it's, can also be really scary. So I like to sort of be a companion. I don't have all the answers. I can't make childhood pain-free for them. I can't um, erase hard things from their path. But I can write the stories that feel true to them, right? And that respect them, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm their intellect, their emotional, like honesty. And I, I don't know, I feel like that, that ultimately helps them. So I don't know, that's, that's what draws me to it. And then I think there's also like a selfish component. Like you have to figure out what happened to you, right, over the course of your life. And I think writing for children sort of returns me to that space so that I can reconsider it think about it again give it another ending mm-hmm. shape you know all of that so it's some of it is service to children and some of it very frankly is service to to yourself mm-hmm.
0: well wow. um you're the national ambassador to young people's literature yeah um which is awesome um how do you how are you using your platform do you have any like any special initiatives that you're working for what what does that mean to you this ambassadorship
1: so the ambassadorship i think in a nutshell is like it means that I'm a book friend to, I don't know, 74 million kids in this country, right? Like, I, I, I am their companion, right? Their reading companion. So, I've chosen Cuéntame, uh, Let's Talk Books, which is an invitation for kids to sort of re-engage with reading, and just sort of centering reading as something that isn't a subject in school necessarily not this thing that we test them on mm-hmm. not this thing that causes them stress or they that they have to chronicle in some diary you know with how many minutes they read none of that it's just a tell me a book that you're reading that you love and why you love it and I'll tell you one that I'm loving and and why and I think in that conversation especially if we teach kids how to talk about the books, like meaningfully and with passion and energy, not reading from a page and so on, mm. I think we, we teach them how to talk about themselves, right? About the things that matter to them and feel cool to them and so on. So Cuéntame is book talking. Cuéntame is connecting families and kids with the habit of going to the library again. Um, and, and for some families, that's a new concept of, of going to the library together. Um, And then the last part which is still in formation is this notion i would like to create an archive at the library of congress um with a group of writers writing now because i feel like we're in a golden age of of children's literature right now Um, i want them to read me a minute or two of their work i want them to tell me why they chose that i want them to tell me one thing they believe is true about growing up. And one thing they believe is true about reading and children. And I think that little nugget at the Library of Congress, our most revered library, right, Mm -hmm. sends a message that children's literature is important, that right now, incredible people in this moment in time are creating work for you. And it allows kids to just hear a person quickly, in a minute, three minutes, four Mm -hmm. minutes and decide whether they want to know more it's an invitation
0: talk about something that's you know you you're well aware of we all are here at ala and uh but book banning Oh um you know it's unfortunately on the rise throughout the, the country and the world and you yourself you've you've been uh you've dealt with challenges yourselves for for yaki delgado what is that what was that like for you as an author to have a work challenged i guess I guess now that you have some time since the book came out, but also, like, what was your first reaction? And now that you've had some time to reflect on it, what, what are your thoughts on being a challenged author?
1: Yeah. Oh, you have so many. Like, you get angry, right? Obviously. Like, what do you mean mm-hmm. <laughs> you're banning this book or that it's immoral or whatever? And then there's a real sadness that I think takes place as well because you are cast as someone who is hurt hurtful or harmful to children or to community. So in my case, I have three children I raised. I was a teacher for 10 years. I've written for children for 15 or 16 years. And so my whole life has been in celebration and in support of children. And so when someone tells you what you've created or what you stand for is immoral or harmful to Mm -hmm. them, it's deeply injuring. there was a time I think when authors were like sure go ahead ban my book more sales for me right but I think that that feeling has really changed I think there's a lot of deep sadness within the children's lit community that that people are getting in the way of children's right to read that people are making decisions for all people's children right um and just how we um walk ourselves back from this really um, fractured and sort of dangerous way of thinking about books and ideas and children.
0: I think one of the most unfortunate victims of this book banning and book challenging maelstrom that's happening right now are the kids themselves
1: yeah you know you have
0: these kids who are being deprived of, of of just so many wonderful works of literature what what do you what do you what should we say to kids who who are suddenly not able to read things that maybe their peers in other states or other towns are reading like ultimately you know what do we say to the kids
1: yeah That's really a hard one. So there are organizations, like the National Coalition Against Censorship has a whole kid's right to read um, packet and information that is for kids, Mm -hmm. right, to know how to advocate for themselves, especially high schoolers and so on who can Mm -hmm. go to school meetings and advocate and be vocal about the issues that impact them. You know, ultimately, you have limited power when you're a kid Mm -hmm. right you're in the hands of of adults what i know about kids just on the ground is that they will read they will read the books they want to read Mm -hmm. we can try to create lots of obstacles if we want to spend our time that way Mm -hmm. but usually kids will find the books that they need to find and they will read about the things that they're longing to understand that they're longing to to connect with that they're trying to unpack for themselves. So, my conversation is often with parents trying to get them to see that their most powerful position is not by creating obstacles or these really like rigid rules around reading. The most powerful Position to be in is in conversation and in communication with your kids. So, I, my thing is always, you need to be reading more, mm-hmm. right? More of these books and having the discussion that you disagree with this book, that you don't like this book, and have and allow your child the space to say what they think. That, I think, is the idea mm-hmm. to create kids who have agency, who feel free to. Talk with their parents and families about things that they disagree with um, and just have, have the right to, to explore ideas. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. That's how I handled it as a, a mom, anyway.
0: Um, we are, we're here at ALA Annual. We are. A- in I think one of the greatest places in the world, surrounded by librarians. <laughs> uh, do you? What role the li- does the library play in your life? Do you have like a, a story from you know past, present, any time in your life about libraries and you?
1: Yeah, I listen. As a kid, my library was the Queensborough Public Library. It was across the street from the Jack in the Box, and my memory, it's forever tied French fries, a pickle-free um, Jack in the Box. Special orders don't upset us. Kind of thing and the mccormick branch of the library it's just in my childhood on northern boulevard when i i can always go back to that memory always but the library today librarians have been my career honestly my books have found their way to kids through teachers and libraries and that that is just the plain truth there's there's no varnishing that and then today what i do in the libraries i I'm a frequent user. I'm a friend to lots of libraries. I'm part of the friends groups. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, um, I borrow books all the time. I write work. And, I, you know, when my family is driving me crazy, don't tell them I said mm-hmm. so. But, you know, when I need to, like, bail on my house because nobody is respecting my quiet, I'll go to the library and, and just be there. And I feel safe there. I feel surrounded by um, just knowledge. I feel in my life and my community that they're, they're beautiful spaces. So, I don't know, for me, it's an all-encompassing sort of, it's not a single memory, it's just an all-encompassing sort of view about libraries, which is like, library is hub of of the things that have mattered the most to me and that have and that are really central to like my career and my life.
0: That wraps this inaugural episode of How I Library. Many thanks to Meg Medina for joining us today. And super thanks to Gene Hodges, Chase Ollis, Jan Carmichael, and Raymond Garcia, and ALA's communications office, who are working behind the scenes every day to make this and future episodes possible. We can't do any of this without them. Be sure to tune in next month for more conversations about the world of libraries. We have some wonderful things in store for you. Don't miss it. But in the meantime, be sure to visit our home base, ilovelibraries.org, for your daily news from the library world like profiles of the 10 winners of the 2024 I Love My Librarian Awards, and info on the many, many books honored at the 2024 Youth Media Awards, both of which just happened last month in Baltimore at ALA's LibLearnX. I was there, and it was truly an awesome, inspiring time. You can also find I Love Libraries' info about how to join the fight against book bans. You can learn about how to start your own book club, get involved with your local libraries, become a library advocate or trustee, and so much more. Again, I'm Phil Moorhart from the American Library Association and this is How I Library.